0: Well, amen, go ahead and be seated if you would Out of all the songs ever been wrote, ever recorded I don't know that any, any of them are any better than what we just sang Holy, 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 amen Well, I'm glad you're here, good crowd I, you know, I'm proud of you guys, of weathering the storm I, uh, I want to begin, they, they say that uh, confession is good for the soul And so I think I'll start with that, especially if it's about somebody else. And so I think I'll make a confession about your associate pastor this morning, okay? Notice I said your associate pastor, not mine. We were were up here yesterday afternoon, and uh, of course the snow was coming down, you know, kind of, and ice was all around, and we didn't know what to do. And we talked about uh, having service. We talked about canceling service. We talked about just sending out emails, we need your tithe and just skip it the rest of the day, you know, all all that kind of stuff. And I told Don, I said, you know, Don, I said, uh, if we cancel, because I'm going on vacation this week, by the way, and I hate it. I I mean, it's really hard for me to do that because snow here and sun on the beach, you know, and, and, and gumbo and shrimp and grouper and snap. I'm really having a hard time leaving, you know. But I was, I was telling Don, I said, well, you know, Don, if, if we cancel the service, I've already got my sermon done. And I said, you know, I could come back and have a nice, easy week. He said, no, that isn't going to work. And I said, well, why? He said, because you sent me an outline of what you're preaching. If you're gone, I'm going to preach it. <laughs> so I, I decided right then and there, even if we had six inches of ice on the ground, we were going to have church. Now, it may only be Don, but he was going to get the whole mother load, you know. Gang, I'm really, really glad you're here, and I'm excited. I I, I really wanted to preach today because I feel like I have something that that God wants me to share with you. And I want to invite you this morning to take your Bible. And I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 6, okay? Matthew chapter 6, and um, as you probably know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is what's called our Lord's Sermon on the Mount. The idea is that he... uh, uh, called his disciples. I actually, several years, many years ago now, I had the honor of of standing on the the mountain where they really believe this sermon was preached. And I tell you what, it kind of impacts you and changes you a little bit. In fact, you you never read Matthew five, six, and seven again without thinking about that. It kind of changes everything. And it's a, it's an incredible, incredible sermon. And and I just feel like what I what God's Charged me to do today is take a few moments to talk to you about two perspectives of living okay The passage we're going to read let me just tell you up front it talks a little bit about money Okay, but uh, it's more than money the passage deals with the overriding theme of stewardship and gang stewardship deals with managing your life money, yeah, it deals with some money areas how you handle money, yeah, it deals with that. But when we talk about stewardship and when Jesus preaches on and, and deals in areas of money and stewardship, he's talking about how you manage your life. Let me just tell you, I think money is a reflection on where you are spiritually. I, I don't preach on money much. I, I, um, I probably should. Some do. A lot of preachers every Sunday they, they do that. I don't like to do that. Uh, and I'll tell you why I don't. Uh, because if I have to get up here and scold you or hound you or challenge you on money, uh, you've got a bigger problem than, than a checkbook, you know? There's something in your life. There's a stewardship area, a spiritual area of your life that you're struggling in. I me just tell you about Tom. When, I wa- when I'm walking with the Lord right, when I have my priorities right, When I'm uh, right in my stewardship and in my managership of my life, when my life is in sync, gang, I don't have a problem writing a check to God through the church. Now, if I'm out of sync, if things are out of whack, it's hard to sit down and write a check. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, when when I'm walking with God the greatest, the the easiest thing, Rich, the easiest thing in my life, is to tithe. I struggle in a lot of areas like you do. I could man, I could tell them you know, something, you know. Now I'm teasing. But writing a check to God through the church is the easiest thing for me to do when I'm walking in step with God. When my when my stewardship of my life is right, this is easy for me. Okay? And so what I want to do today is not really talk about money, but I want to talk about some perspectives that Jesus talks about in Matthew 6. On your life now the Sermon on the Mount is just an incredible incredible sermon he, he he deal the reason one of the reasons I like it is because he deals with the two dimensions of the Christian life he deals with the vertical and Jesus deals with the horizontal for example in the vertical he says enter the narrow gate think about it if you're going to get into the gate that leads to eternal life it's a narrow gate it's small but Jesus says it leads to life. Few, he says, find it. You know what that tells me? That tells me that eternal life, salvation, is not for the masses, and it's not for the majority. It is for those who have been called by God that have walked through the small gate, the narrow gate, but they found life. I guess the question for you in this in this uh, vertical area is the answer has god called you because you can't get through that gate unless god calls and you respond to the call and so my question i think as we stop for a moment is has god really truly called I don't mean have you felt conviction over your mistakes. I'm not saying have you walked an aisle. I'm not saying have you gone through the waters of baptism. I'm not saying are you a Baptist. I'm asking you, has God issued the divine call on your life where conviction of sin has led to repentance and faith in your life, you see? That's the vertical dimension. And Jesus says it's small and it's narrow. Few find it. But those who do, have life. Have eternal life. And even have abundant life, even though life can be a challenge. Okay? Now, my thoughts today and where God directed me is to the horizontal plane of it. How a Christian views, looks at, prioritizes, and has a correct perspective of life. Okay? Matthew chapter 6, I want us to read together verses 19 through 24. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Matthew 6, Beginning verse um, 19, okay, you with me? All the preteens, when I say, are you with me, if you got your Bible, they say amen. If you guys got to say amen. Yeah, preteens need to help you because, man, they can really say amen right. Okay, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Well, moth, rust, destroy, thieves break in and steal. But, he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves do not break in or steal why because where your treasure is now notice where your treasure is your hearts going to be where is your treasure what are you treasuring What consumes your thinking? What consumes your mind? That's kind of the idea, okay? Number two, the eye, he says, is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your body's full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And then there's another shift. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one or and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon. Your Bible might have money. This actually, this translation has wealth. Okay, um, those. That's our text. That's what we're going to talk about. Let's pray for just a moment. Okay, Father, help us to get this. Help us not to leave here thinking that it's about money. Help us to leave here thinking. That this is about life it's about priority it's about perspective it's about lining ourselves up with you and regardless of the, the 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 coins in the pocket as long as we have you and we're living right that's all we need help me father to do a good job for these dear people that I love and for your honor alone in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you be seated. Now I want you to notice as I read that that Jesus lays out some contrast. Did you pick up there's kind of like three divisions to the verses and he actually lays out three contrasts to us. He he first of all beginning in verse 19, he talks about two treasures. He talks about the temporal versus the eternal, the earthly versus the heavenly. And you've got to deal with that in your Christian life. Whoa. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Number two, that was God saying pay attention. Okay? The second thing he does, he talks about two visions. He talks about darkness or light. Now, in that area, I'm going to bring it. He's talking about focus. Where's your vision? What are you focusing on? Okay? And then number three, he talks about two masters. And he says you can't have two. It's either going to be God Or it's going to be whatever you want to define, and I'll define mammon to you later, okay? And I'll try to bring that out. Now, what I saw in the passage is this, that Jesus said, if you and I, as believers in Him, if we're going to have a correct perspective on life, then there's three things we have to have. Number one, we have to have a passion that drives us. Look at verse 19, okay? I don't want to reread these three verses, but as I speak, look at these verses, because Jesus tells us what not to do. You notice that? Then Jesus tells us what to do. But what he tells us not to do or to do, he says to us, is a reflection of our heart because our treasures drive our heart. Treasures drive our heart. I mentioned in the first service uh, that, that when I have kids. When I had kids, they, I, I loved my kids. I treasured up kids. But now that I have grandkids, it's amazing how the kids are not very important anymore, you know? You know what the treasure of my life is? My grandkids, right? Listen, I, grandkids are the ones you can't ever say no to that you said no to to your kids all of their life, right? Treasures, Drive the heart. That's what Jesus is talking about here, okay? Now, the heart is the seat of your soul. It's your mind, it's your will, it's your emotion. It's the center of your life that makes you who you are, drives you to do what you do, okay? It's not what you are on the outside. Jack, it's not the external, aren't you glad, bro? It's the internal. It's that internal part of you that makes you who you are and Jesus says that internal part of you is going to drive now to understand these two perspectives I want you to notice that Jesus gives us two very important prepositions how many of you remember what prepositions are you like me you failed English right grammar right well listen let, let, let's look at the two very important prepositions very important notice he says do not lay up for yourselves treasures, and what does he say? Upon earth. You got that? you got to circle the word upon. Don't lay up treasures upon earth. And the prepositional idea is of stacking, of layering up, top on top, on top, on top, which we would carry the idea of hoarding. He says, don't do that. Why would you not do that? Well, if you keep stacking up, stacking up, that could get knocked over. Jesus says it this way, moths can eat them. It could have been clothes. Rust can erode them. It could have been metal. Thieves can break in and steal them. It could have been money or whatever it is. You see, they're earthly. They're temporal. They don't last. They go the way of the world, which is perishing. So Jesus says, don't stack up or don't layer up things of this earth. But he says, you lay up treasures where? Not upon but in heaven, what do we call in? Well, we call it investing. That's what he's talking about. Okay, now understand my heart and hear me clearly. Jesus is not knocking possessions. He's not talking mater- uh, knocking material goods. He's talking about materialism. He's talking about the religion of possessions. Gang, listen. I, all of us have drives for things, do we not? I, you know. If you're going to be honest, if I'm going to be honest, I have a drive for bows and arrows. I have drives for pistols. i got a drive right now for gumbo, you know. All of us have drive. There's nothing really wrong. He's not talking about that. Nor is he slamming about saving for the future. You should do that. You ought to think about your family. You ought to think about yourself down the road. I told the early sergeant, man, I'm at that age that I've never been before. For the first time in my life, I'm thinking about what life's going to be like when I'm 65. It's going through my head what it's gonna be like when I'm 70 you see a great event happened to me a few years ago I got up one morning and I went and looked in the mirror I looked at myself and I said to self looking deeply in my own eyes Tom you can sign up for Social Security you know <laughs> things happen He's not talking about not planning. He's not talking about not thinking about the future. He's talking about the drives of the heart. He's talking about the passion of priorities. And he's saying, if your priorities are things of this world that's passing away, that'll die and and, and, and be stolen or, or pass away, you've got a wrong priority. He says twice in these verses, don't store up for yourselves twice yourselves. So here is the key, I think, from Jesus. As you evaluate your life, as you evaluate your passion, ask yourself, who is it for? Who gets the glory? And if you answer that right, first of all, giving the church is not going to be that big a deal. Tithing is not going to be that big a deal. But your whole life is going to fall into sync. If it's not about me and the things that this world offers but it's about God and the things that he offers and things that are in store for me. Why would I not grab that? That's what Jesus is trying to say. Where your treasure is, guess what? You'll find your heart. Why would you grab what you cannot lose when you can invest, I mean what you cannot keep when you can invest for what you cannot lose? See, practically speaking, we're not to stockpile. We're to invest, okay? So the first thing he talks about is a passion that drives us. Number two, look at verse 22. He talks about a vision that directs you. I I want you to pay attention to this. This It's really important. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then then if your eye is clear, your whole body's full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness if then... The light that is in you is darkness. How great is the darkness Again, The danger of this life is that we look at and we evaluate things by what we see. The Bible describes that as the eye gate, which is the door of the soul. Do you know that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will refer to the eye 12 times, and in the rest of the Gospels, he will reference the eye 15 more times, In fact, he'll say this. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, there are those who say, well, yeah, Jesus is just using that as a figure of speech. And I think he is in a sense. But maybe Jesus is saying, if your eye causes you to sin, hey, pluck it out. You're better to go through life blind then always be chasing after what you see many a man has fallen by what he sees why do you think companies spend billions and billions of dollars on advertising on TV how much did it cost for the Super Bowl advertisement how many? 4 million a minute? 30 seconds Hello, why do you think they're doing that? Because they know if they can get the OI looking, they can just about get their hands in your pocketbook, you see? I, uh, I have the honor, you know this, I, I kind of say this too much, I know, but I have the honor every Wednesday of talking to preteens. And uh, I, uh, in fact, I made the statement, I could get fired for this, but I made the statement, I hope I never have to go back to adults on Wednesday. Uh, and a few weeks ago, I was talking, teaching your preteens. And we were talking, we're going through a series of the Jesus in the Old Testament. And we started about with Jesus in the book of Genesis. And I made some statements to them about how you see Jesus in the Old Testament. I used Genesis chapter 3 because in it we have this, this great contrast between Satan's tools trying to, to get Eve to see but then not listening with our ears, the voice of God. And here's what I told them. I told them that the life of faith is not lived by seeing. It's lived by hearing. Now, listen to me. I said to them, believers see with their ears. Can I say that again? Believers see with their ears. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis 3. We're going to put it up there on the screen, but in my old age, that's a little... I'd almost need big reading glasses for that, even though I'm wearing glasses. So I want to read to you Genesis chapter 3, beginning verse 1. Okay? You may want to look there. If Those that are looking down and thumbing pages, your eyes are as bad as mine. It's called age, okay? But let me read these seven verses to you, and, and notice what the Bible says. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said? He was questioning the voice of God, right? You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said. You got that? You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, "You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the what eyes and that tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it, she ate, gave to her husband, he ate and the Bible says the eyes of both of them were opened. And at that moment, they knew they were sinners. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloth. Did you catch the game, guys? Especially you guys. Did you catch the game that Satan played? He got Eve to see, and he questioned what God said. I'm telling you, families, I'm telling you, men, I'm telling you, ladies, the life of faith is the ears. It is what God says, and if we live by our eyes, we fail. We live by our ears, we hear, we obey. Can I ask you, which is better, huh? Which is better? That's why Jesus... In the Sermon on the Mount, it's talking about the eye. He's talking about the vision. He's talking about be careful what you see because the eye, the eye gate, the door of the eye that leads into the soul will destroy your life and destroy everything and everyone that is good in your life. That's stewardship. That has nothing to do with money. It has to do with a perspective on your life, living the life that God wants you to live in holiness because, as we sang, He is holy, okay? Then there's one last thing. Look at verse 24. Very important, verse 24, okay? Number three, there has to be a mission that defines you, okay? Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, He will either hate the one, love the other, be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God, in my translation, has wealth. Listen to me. Listen. You cannot live in the middle. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't straddle the fence spiritually no more than you can walk down the yellow line in the inner state. Try that and see what happens, huh? Now, Jesus doesn't say you should not. Jesus doesn't say you must not the Lord of glory he who would soon die on a cross for your sin and my sin said you cannot Christ says dear people it's a spiritual impossibility to do that now let me define mammon to you okay wealth money however you want to define that term let me define it for you okay it came of a verb came from a verb That means to trust in something, or to trust everything to something, okay? What you rely on for life. Now, that's a fair definition. Are you going to trust the Lord of glory, the master? Are you going to trust in something else with your life and everything about your life? It came to mean a term that deals with wealth, a term that deals with riches, and yes, it does from to be a term that deals with money. However, it's bigger than that. Maybe we could say this. It is your meaning of life. It's what defines your life. It is your priorities in life that makes you do what you do. In other words, it's the most important thing in your life. And Jesus says, church, you cannot have two. You cannot have him and the other and be a follower of him. Now, listen to me. I studied that. I meditated on that. I thought about it. And I said, that's hitty stuff. I said, that's hard stuff, God. I said, Jesus, that's incredibly hard for me as a pastor to live it, let alone get up to some people I love, and preach it. And he didn't change it. I thought maybe something was going to magically happen, and he changed that verse. But he, he didn't do that. I think he thinks that we're to believe it and apply it to our life, you see. And so here is the question here. What defines you? Hmm? What defines you? What is your mission in life? I want you to know something, dear people. You cannot build your happiness on what you can lose with a snapshot picture of your eye, the snap of a finger, the ringing of a bell, nor a momentary passion of pleasure. You can't do it. That's what Jesus says. I didn't say it, he did, okay? I don't know if you've ever heard of G. Campbell Morgan. He was a just a wonderful pastor and, and, and preacher from years gone by. I want to read to you what, what he wrote. He says, You are to remember with a passion burning within you that you are not a child of today. You are not of the earth. You are more than dust. You are a child of tomorrow. You are of the eternities. You're the offspring of deity. You belong to the infinite. Can I read it again quickly? Remember with passion burning in you, you're just not a child of today. You're not of the earth. You're more than dust. You're a child of tomorrow. You're of the eternities. You're the offspring of deity. You belong to the infinite. What is the passion, dear people, that drives you? What is the vision that guides you? What is the mission that defines you? When, when we um, surrendered to the ministry, our daughter was about to go into junior high, and it was a pretty tumultuous time for us. I mean, God was changing my whole world, and uh, he was... Um, pulling out from underneath me every bit of security that I had and uh, I, I, I I, was freaking out a lot frankly my wife was the one who brought stability to this moment and um, but I, I tend to be anxious I tend to be a little ADD did you notice that sometimes I tend to you know and so I'm, I'm kind of all over the scale and Paula's just very calm and we, we decided that we needed to, before we did this, we knew we were going to do it because God called. When God calls, you can't, it's irrevocable. You're going to do it. Isn't that right? But uh, we, we decided to sit down. And, uh, and I said, we just need to talk about perspective. We need to talk about priorities and, and where we're at. And so we began to list out some things, talk over some things. And I want to tell you one of the things, uh, and I told, by the way, uh, young couples, uh, married you need to do this. You need to sit down, get a babysitter, not me, call somebody else. But you need to sit down over a cup of coffee, and you need to sit down on a piece of paper and write out your mission, the mission that defines you, okay? And we did that. And one of the things we did is because we had seen uh, people go into the ministry and lose their families I've seen guys lose their wives I've seen guys lose their kids a lot And so one of the things we did We sat down and we decided to, to define our mission And we, de, we determined That we were never going to Sacrifice our children On the altar of church We were not going to give up our kids On the altar of religion and, and Paula said, Tom, I don't care how long it takes for you to get out of seminary. And, and I, knew, I knew what she was saying. She said, Tom, you're not that bright. That's, she didn't say that, but I could tell her eyes. She said, whatever it takes, however long it takes, I'm cool. But we're not going to give up our kids. That became the mission that, that, that drove us in those years. We, we, in a sense, put our life on hold so that I could prepare and that our kids would never feel slighted. And I want to tell you, dear people, I'm an old man now, I want to tell you, dear people, there's a lot of great gratifying things I've got to experience in ministry. I never thought I'd be in a church like Indian Springs. Okay? In fact, if I preached somewhere, I never thought anybody would come back. You know. But now in these old years, because of a mission that we defined, I can tell you my kids, both of my kids love Jesus. I can tell you that they're raising our four grandchildren to love Jesus, see? And I think that's kind of what Jesus is saying. You can't straddle the fence here. You can't rely on wealth and riches and money because it's going to end. It's stack up and get knocked over. But you rely on the things of eternity. That's called investing into eternity. That's what G. Campbell Morgan, I think, was talking about. Now I want to close this morning with with some questions for you. Okay, um, I don't know if you remember in school, but we would have given to us diagnostic questions. You know what I mean by that? A diagnostic question is a question that that forces you to evaluate your life. It's a diag that dia means in or through, and so a diagnostic questions are questions that forces you. To focus in and evaluate and then determine where you're at. I want to give you from our text three diagnostic questions and then we'll be through, okay? Question number one Who is your treasure? Would you answer that? You don't have to raise your hand. But I want you, right here, right now, with the Spirit of God here, who is your treasure? Who has your heart? Does God have your heart? Does mammon have your heart? Who are you trusting for in life? Who drives your passion? Who is your treasure? What do you spend your time thinking about? What consumes your thinking hours, your waking hours? I told our first group that I'm in a, this stage of life. As I'm getting older, I'd mention that and, and uh, never thought about that before. And I find myself, at times, thinking too much about that. When I should be focusing on God, I should seek first His righteousness, His kingdom. He said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about covering over your head. Seek me and my kingdom Seek my righteousness. God knows what you need, see? Who, Who is your treasure this morning? Number two, where is your focus? Are you consumed with? Are you looking at the temporal? Or are you looking at the eternal? That's what Jesus is asking you this morning. You see, again, your eyes always tend to move to what you're fixated on. Let me give you an example. When I was learning to drive, my dad set me down and then later when my kids got older and I set them down to drive, one of the things I remember very clearly my dad telling me is, Tom, when you're driving at night, you don't look at the headlights on the oncoming traffic. Don't, Don't look at it. Look beyond it. Don't stare at it. I said, well, why, Dad? He said, because if you look and stare at the headlights, you're going to have a tendency to go to the headlights. And Tom, I ain't good. Gang, listen to me. Where's your focus? What are you fixated on? What are you looking at all the time? Because what you spend your vision on is what will be the direction you tend to go. If you're so caught up in the world's system and the world's goods, then that's going to have your focus. And I'm telling you that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've got heartache coming because you can either stockpile it upon or you can invest in. I learned a long time ago, investing in that which is yet is far greater than seeking to add up what is now, okay? Okay. And then number three, that mission thing. What is your mission? You know what that is? Have you ever thought about it? Why are you here? What do you wish to accomplish in the few seconds of eternity that you have here on earth? You know? man, gang, listen, you're here for a smidgen. You're here for a blink. You know? Is that consuming? Is that your mission? Or have you decided there's something larger, and someone far more important. Well, it's a wonderful sermon that Jesus preached to us, but I want to tell you it's like any other sermon. We can listen, and we can go away. It doesn't mean anything. We walk away, and we forget on Monday what the preacher preached on Sunday. But God at times, His Holy Spirit, Sinks truth into our hearts. and We just don't walk away forgetting. We walk away questioning. We walk away saying, God, I heard you. Not the preacher. I heard you. What should I do? My prayer has been that on this day, that the Holy Spirit will take these diagnostic questions and burned. the reason I wanted to have service today it wasn't that, that Don was going to steal my sermon because I really felt like I was supposed to do this. I don't know if I did it well, okay? That's God's business. Uh, but I felt like I was supposed to. And I knew that not everyone would be here because of the weather. But I'm going to tell you what I've learned is God has who he wants on any particular day to hear what he wants to say. You're not here by chance. This isn't happenstance. God knew this sermon on this day with the weather and everything that you were going to be here. Has the Holy Spirit done what only he can do? Or do we just walk away and chalk it up and go wait for the next one? Let's pray. In a moment, we're going to stand. Stu will lead us in a time of response. Our pastors will be here to help you if you need that. We're here to pray with you. We're here to help you in the way we can. Maybe this morning you just need to come and kneel here and say, God, I, I want to be the kind of daddy. I want to be the kind of husband. I want to be the kind of wife and mother. I want to be the kind of Christian that I need to be. And, and I heard you, Holy Spirit, uh, help me. Uh, maybe that's, you might need to do that there but if you want to do it here, that's fine. Father, I I love you. I am amazed that, God, in your providence, you bring certain circumstances together where a preacher will take your word and people will show up. And somehow, in this interchange of, of thoughts, the Holy Spirit does what only he can do when he chooses to do it. My prayer, God, has been that maybe today, The Spirit has had some freedom in a heart that's been prepared to rattle a few cages of thoughts. Now, God, right now we stop. I pray for these dear sweet people. Now, God, perhaps right now you're going to indelibly write upon their heart some some truth that the Spirit will bring them back to that will change. God my my prayer is we be careful of our eyes. Oh, from the get-go it was the eyes that got us in trouble. Guard our eyes, Father. Bless these families, protect these homes, God. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's